Hello everyone, welcome back to the Drunken Storytellers podcast, where I, your host, tell tales from across the world, folklore, religious things, and delve into all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Uh, mythology, legends, uh, demonology, occult sciences, esoteric stuff. Um, this season, season four, we are generally focusing on the demon and the, uh, the demons and the devils and things. I've spent a lot of time uh, looking at Western ideas. So we, last last episode was Lucifer. So this episode I thought we would move away. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to go back to one of my favourite uh, authors for non-Western folklore. And we're going to go to the Quaidan by Lafcadio Herm. So I'm going to tell you a story from there. Or the link to the, 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 the thing that I'm telling will be in the show notes. Um, the story itself does contain a demon. Um, the story itself is not demonic. But it's quite a nice story. So I'll read the story and then I'll... Uh, do a little bit of a discussion about a few Japanese demons. So yeah, um, I'm a little bit brain fogged today, so I apologise about this random, not very cohesive introduction. Hopefully the story will be will be okay, and uh, the discussion of the various demons at the end will be will be better. But anyway, on with the show. Sit back, grab yourself a drink. And enjoy the tales. The story of Mimi Nashi Hoichi. More than 700 years ago, at Dan Nonura, in the Straits of Shimonoseki, was fought the last battle of the long contest between Heike, or Taira clan, and the Genji, or Minamoto clan. There, the Heike perished utterly with their women and children and their infant emperor likewise now remembered as antoku tenno and the sea and shore have been haunted for 700 years elsewhere i told you about the strange crabs found there called heike crabs which have human faces on their backs and are said to be the spirits of the heike warriors but there are many strange things to be seen and heard along that coast on dark nights, thousands of ghostly fires hover above the beach or flit above the waves. Pale lights, which the fishermen called onibi, or demon fires. And whenever the winds are up, a sound of great shouting comes from the sea, like a clamour of battle. In former years, the Heike were much more restless than they are now. They would rise about ships passing in the night or try to sink them, and at all times they would watch for swimmers to pull them down. It was in order to appease those dead that the Buddhist temple Amadaiji was built at Akamagaseki. A cemetery was also made close by, near the beach, and within it were set up monuments inscribed with the names of the drowned emperor and his great vassals, and Buddhist services were regularly performed there on behalf of the spirits of them. After the temple had been built and the tombs erected, the Heike gave less trouble than before, but they continued to do queer things at intervals, 
proving that they had not found the perfect peace. Some centuries ago, there lived at Akamagaseki a blind man named Hoichi, who was famed for his skill in recitation and in playing upon the biwa. From childhood, he had been trained to recite and to play, and while yet a lad, he had surpassed his teachers. As a professional biwa horshi, he became famous chiefly for his recitations of the history of the heike and the genji. And it is said that when he sang the song of the Battle of Dan no Ura, even the goblins, Kijin, could not refrain from tears. At the outset of his career, Hoichi was very poor, but he had found a good friend to help him. The priest of the Amidaji was fond of poetry and music, and he often invited Hoichi to the temple to play and recite. Afterwards, being much impressed by the wonderful skill of the lad, the priest proposed that Hoichi should make the temple his home, and this offer was greatly accepted. Hoichi was given a room in the temple building, and in return for food and lodging, he was required only to gratify the priest with a musical performance on certain evenings, when otherwise disengaged. One summer night the priest was called away to perform a Buddhist service at the house of a dead parishioner, and he went there with his acolyte, leaving Hoichi alone in the temple. It was a hot night, and the blind man sought to cool himself on the veranda before his sleeping room. The veranda overlooked a small garden near the rear of the Amadaji. There, Hoichi waited for the priest's return, then tried to relieve his solitude by practising upon his biwa. Midnight passed, and the priest did not appear, but the atmosphere was still too warm for comfort within doors, and Hoichi remained outside. At last he heard the steps approaching from the back gate. Somebody crossed the garden, advanced to the veranda, and halted directly in front of him. But it was not the priest. A deep voice called the blind man's name, abruptly and unceremoniously, in the manner of a samurai summoning an inferior. Hoichi! Hoichi was too startled for a moment to respond, and the voice called again in a tone of harsh command. Hoichi! Hi! answered the blind man, frightened by the menace in the voice. I am blind! I cannot know who calls! There is nothing to fear, the stranger exclaimed, speaking more gently. I am stopping near this temple, and have been sent to you with a message. My present lord, a person of exceedingly high rank, is now staying in Akamagaseki, with many noble attendants. He wished to view the scene of the Battle of Danoura, and today he visited that place. Having heard of your skill in reciting the story of the battle, he now desires to hear your performance. So you will take your biwa and come with me at once to the house where the august assembly is waiting. In those times, the order of the samurai was not to be lightly disobeyed. Hoichi donned his sandals, took his biwa, and went away with the stranger, who guided him deftly, but obliged him to walk very fast. The hand that was guided with iron, and the clank of the warrior's stride proved him fully armed, probably some palace guard on duty. Hoichi's first alarm was over. He began to imagine himself in good luck, for, remembering the retainer's assurance about a person of exceedingly high rank, he thought that the lord who wished to hear the recitation could not be less than a daimyo of the first class. Presently the samurai halted, and Hoichi became aware that they had arrived at a large gateway. 
and he wondered, for he could not remember any large gate in the part of the town, except the main gate of the Amidaji. Kaimon! the samurai called, and there was a sound of unbarring. The twain passed on. They traversed a space of garden and halted before the same entrance, and the retainer cried out in a loud voice, Within there! I have brought Hoichi! Then came the sounds of feet hurrying, and the screen sliding, and rain doors opening, and voices of women in converse. By the language of the women, Hoichi knew them to be domestics in some noble household, but he could not imagine to what place he had been conducted. Little time was allowed him for conjecture, after he had been helped to mount several stone steps, upon the last of which he was told to leave his sandals. A woman's hand guided him along intimidable reaches of polished planking and round pillared angles, too many to remember, and over wits amazing of matted floors, into the middle of some vast apartment. There he thought that many great people were assembled, the sound of rustling silk was like the sound of leaves in a forest. He had heard also a great humming of voices talking in undertones, and the speech was the speech of courts. Hoichi was told to put himself at ease, and he found a kneeling cushion ready for him. After having taken his place upon it and tuned to his instrument, the voice of a woman, whom he divined to be the Rojo, or matron, in charge of the female services, addressed him, saying, It is now required that the history of the Heike be recited, to the accompaniment of the Biwa. Now the entire recital would have required a time of many nights, therefore Hoichi ventured a question. As the whole of the story is not soon told, what portion is the augustly desired that I now recite? The woman's voice made answer. Recite the story of the Battle of Danouda, for the pity of it is the most deep. Then Hoichi lifted up his voice and chanted the chant of the fight on the bitter sea, wonderfully making his biwa to the sound like the straining of oars and the rushing of the ships, the whir and the hissing of arrows, the shooting and trampling of men, the crashing of steel upon helmets, the plunging of slain in the flood, and to the left and to right of him, in the pauses of his playing, he could hear the voices murmuring praise. How marvellous an artist! Never in our own province was playing heard like this. Not in all the empire is there another singer like Hoichi. Then fresh courage came to him, and he played and sang yet better than before, and a hush of wonder deepened about him. But when at last he came to tell the fate of the fair and helpless, the piteous perishing of the women and the children, and the death leap of Ninoama, with the imperial infant in her arms, then all the listeners uttered together one long, long shuddering cry of anguish. And thereafter they wept and wailed so loudly and so wildly that the blind man was frightened by the violence and grief that he had made. For much time the sobbing and wailing continued, but gradually the sounds of lamentation died away, and again, in the great stillness that followed, Hoichi heard the voice of the woman whom he supposed to be the Rojo. She said, Although we had been assured that you were a very skilful player upon the Biwa, and without an equal in recitative, we did not know that anyone could be so skilful as you have proved yourself tonight. 
Our Lord has been pleased to say that he intends to bestow upon you a fitting reward. But he desires that you shall perform before him once every night for the next six nights, after which time he will probably make his august return journey. Tomorrow night, therefore, you are to come here at the same hour. The retainer who tonight conducted you will be sent for you. There is another matter about which I have been ordered to inform you. It is required that you shall speak to no one of your visits here, during the time of our Lord's August sojourn at Akamagaseki. As he is travelling incognito, he commands that no mention of these things be made. You are now free to go back to your temple. After Hoichi had duly expressed his thanks, a woman's hand conducted him to the entrance of the house, where the same retainer who had before guided him was waiting to take him home. The retainer led him to the veranda at the rear of the temple, and there bade him farewell. It was almost dawn when Hoichi returned, but his absence from the temple had not been observed, as the priest, coming back at the very late hour, had supposed him asleep. During the day Hoichi was able to take some rest, and, had, and he said nothing about his strange adventure. In the middle of the following night, the samurai again came for him, and led him to the august assembly, where he gave another recitation with the same success that had attended his previous performance. But during this second visit, his absence from the temple was accidentally discovered, and after his return in the morning, he was summoned to the presence of the priest, who said to him, in a tone of kindly reproach, We have been very anxious about you, friend Hoichi. To go out blind and alone at so late an hour is dangerous. Why did you go without telling us? I could have ordered a servant to accompany you. And where have you been? Hoichi answered evasively. Pardon me, friend. I had to attend to some private business, and I could not arrange the matter at any other hour. The priest was surprised rather than pained by Hoichi's reticence. He felt it to be unnatural and suspected something wrong. He feared that the blind lad had been bewitched or deluded by some evil spirits. He did not ask any more questions, but he privately instructed the men servants of the temple to keep watch upon Hoichi's movements, and to follow him in case they should again leave the temple after dark. On the very next night, Hoichi was seen to leave the temple, and the servants immediately lighted their lanterns and followed after him. But it was a rainy night and very dark, and before the temple folks could get to the roadway, Hoichi had disappeared. Evidently, he had walked very fast. A strange thing, considering his blindness, for the road was in a bad condition. The men hurried through the streets, making inquiries at every house which Hoichi was accustomed to visit. But nobody could give them any news of him. At last, as they were returning to the temple by the way of the shore, they were startled by the sound of a biwa furiously playing in the cemetery of the Amidaji. Except for some ghostly fires, such as usually fitted there on dark nights, all was blackness in that direction. But the men at once hastened to the cemetery, and there, by the help of their lanterns, they discovered Hoichi, sitting alone in the rain, before the memorial tomb of Antoku Tenno, making his biwa resound and loudly chanting the chant of the Battle of Danoula. And behind him and about him and everywhere above the tombs, the fires of the dead were burning like candles. 
Never before had so great a host of Onibi appeared in the sight of mortal man. Hoichi-san, Hoichi-san, the servants cried. You are bewitched, Hoichi-san. But the blind man did not seem to hear. Strenuously he made his biwa to the rattle and ring and clang. More and more wildly he chanted the chant of the Battle of Donnaula. They caught hold of him, they shouted into his ear. Hoichi-san, Hoichi-san, come home with us at once. Reprovingly he spoke to them. To interrupt me in such a manner before this august assembly will not be tolerated. Whereat, in spite of the weirdness of the thing, the servants could not help laughing. Sure that he had been bewitched, they now seized him and pulled him up on his feet, and by main force hurried him back to the temple, where he was immediately relieved of his wet clothes by order of the priest. Then the priest insisted upon a full explanation of his friend's astonishing behaviour. Hoichi long hesitated to speak, but at last, finding that his conduct had really alarmed and angered the good priest, he decided to abandon his reserve, and he related everything that had happened from the time of his first visit of the samurai. The priest said, Hoichi, my poor friend, you are now in great danger. How unfortunate you did not tell me all this before. Your wonderful skill in music has indeed brought you into strange trouble. By this time you must be aware that you have not been visiting any house, whatever, but have been passing your nights in the cemetery among the tombs of the Heike. And it was before the memorial tomb of Antoku Tenno that our people tonight found you sitting in the rain. All that you have been imagining was illusion, except the calling of the dead. By once obeying them, you have put yourself in their power. If you obey them again, after what has already occurred, they will tear you in pieces. But they would have destroyed you sooner or later in any event. Now, I shall not be able to remain with you tonight. I am called away to perform another service. But, before I go... It will be necessary to protect your body by writing holy texts upon it. Before sundown, the priest and his acolyte stripped Hoichi. Then, with their writing brushes, they traced upon his breast and back, head and face and neck, limbs and hands and feet, even upon the soles of his feet and upon the all parts of his body, the text of the Holy Sutra called Hanya Shinkyo. When this had been done, the priest instructed Hoichi, saying, Tonight, as soon as I go away, you must seat yourself on the veranda and wait. You will be called, but whatever may happen, do not answer, and do not move. Say nothing and sit still, as if meditating. If you stir or make any noise, you will be torn asunder. Do not get frightened and do not think of calling for help, because no help could save you. If you do exactly as I tell you, the danger will pass, and you will have nothing more to fear. After dark, the priest and the acolyte went away, and Hoichi seated himself on the veranda according to the instructions given to him. He laid his biwa on the planking beside him, and assuming the attitude of meditation, remained quite still, taking care not to cough or to breathe audibly. For hours he stayed thus. Then, 
From the roadway, he heard the steps coming. They passed the gate, crossed the gun, approached the veranda, stopped directly in front of him. Hoi the deep voice called, but the blind man held his breath and sat motionless. Hoi Grimly called the voice a second time, then a third time savagely. Hoichi! Hoichi remained as still as a stone, and the voice grumbled. No answer. That won't do. Must see where the fellow is. There was a noise of heavy feet mounting upon the veranda. The feet approached deliberately, halted beside him, then for long minutes, during which Hoichi felt his whole body shake to the beating of his heart, there was dead silence. At last, the gruff voice muttered close to him. Here's the Biwa, but of the Biwa player I see only two ears. So that explains why he did not answer. He had no mouth to answer with. There is nothing left of him but his ears. Now, to my lord, these ears I will take in proof that the august commands have been obeyed, so far as was possible. At that instant, Hoichi felt his ears gripped by fingers of iron and torn off. Great as the pain was, he gave no cry. The heavy footfalls receded along the veranda, descended into the garden, passed out to the roadway, ceased. From either side of his head, the blind man felt a thick, warm trickling. But he dared not lift his hands. Before sunrise, the priest came back. He hastened at once to the veranda in the rear, stepped and slipped upon something clammy, and uttered a cry of horror. For he saw, by the light of his lantern, that the clamminess was blood. But he perceived Hoichi sitting there, in the attitude of meditation, with the blood still oozing from his wounds. My poor Hoichi, cried the startled priest. What is this? You have been hurt. At the sound of his friend's voice, the blind man felt safe. He burst out sobbing and tearfully told his adventures of the night. Poor, poor Hoichi, the priest exclaimed. Oh, my fault, my grievous fault. Everywhere upon your body the holy texts had been written, except upon your ears. I trusted my acolyte to do that part of the work, and it was very, very wrong of me not to have made sure that he had done it. Well, the matter cannot be helped. We can only try to heal your hurts as soon as possible. Cheer up, friend. The danger is now well over. You will never again be troubled by those visitors. With the aid of a good doctor, Hoichi soon recovered from his injuries. The story of his strange adventure spread far and wide and soon made him famous. Many noble persons went to Akamagaseki to hear him recite, and large presents of money were given to him, so that he became a wealthy man. But from the time of his adventure, he was known only by the appellation of Miminashi Hoichi, or Hoichi. The earless. So there you go. A dark tale from the lands of Japan. 
So uh, there are a few things going on in here, and there are a few kind of creatures and things that we talk about and we hear about. Uh, we have the mysterious samurai. We have the mysterious august audience that we don't really know much about. But we kind of do. They are mentioned twice uh, by name. One in the beginning when you talk about fishermen seeing them, and then one when the two servants come up and find him. And this is the Onibi. So Onibi, which translates to fire demon. Oni being demon, bi being fire. And if you listen to that carefully, you probably recognise roughly what they might re represent in English. The, they're, they're kind of a little bit will-o'-the-whisper-like. Um, they're part of a type of demon within Japan, or angelic creature, heavenly creature, depending on how you want to translate the kanji, um, of a group known as Hinotama. He being fire, and Tama is, could be demon, it could be angelic creature, could be heavenly creature, it's kind of the kanji for heaven. Um, so fire of heaven, or fire, fiery creature of heaven. So there's, there's quite a few um, of these, uh, yokai, demons, yokai, creatures, ghosts, spirits, things, um, that appear as glowing orbs of light, as we see with the Will-O-The-Wisp or Lantern Men, um, depending on where you are. I may have written a Vesson scenario on Lantern Men, which is nearly finished, hopefully out in about a week or so. Um, we'll see. But it's quite folk horror, quite gothic horror um, in there. Anyway, that's enough of that one. Yeah, so um, the main one, and the, the story's all over Japan about these creatures. Um, but there's four kind of main ones that appear. There's the Onibi, there's the Kodama, there's the Hitodama, and there's Kitsunebi. But then there's all sorts of different ones all over places, and they all have different origins and attributes. Um, they are all relatively similar in appearance. They are all balls of fire, I suppose. So Tama, again, kind of could be ball in this case. Um, I let me check my kanji on that one. Let me let me. I, I'm mm, mm, debating myself. This is where we get a live edit. Uh, not a live edit, a live translation, and uh, I will leave all this in. Let's see if I can get this to work. Let my phone go into Japanese. And it's got Tama. Tama, that one. Uh, so when I do Spanish to English, that's not going to work. No, it's not English. It is Japanese. Bead, according to this. Bead of sweat or dew. Hmm. So, uh, bead of fire, not heaven. I don't know why I thought that was heaven. Let me, let me, let me, let me correct myself. Takesy backsy. I can't spell now. Heaven, heaven. That's not what I want. Can't spell. Tengoku. Ah, because in Goku it has this symbol. Okay. I knew I recognised it from somewhere. Anyway. 
So ignore my bit where I said it's fires of heaven. It's uh, beads of fire. <laughs> Doing well today. As I said, brain fog. Um, I handed in two papers to co-authors at work, and so my brain is now just kind of given up on thinking. So anyway, back to these. So we've got balls of fire. The Onibi, Kodama, Hitodama, and Kitsunebi. Um, so these are like what are the wisps some of them are harmless some of them don't really do much some of them are harmful uh, to, to, to even deadly and they all kind of appear in different regions and different kind of environments and habitats and things and stuff so we'll go through the we'll go quickly through these four and kind of go on go on with them so we'll go on we'll start with onibi the other ones that appeared in the story these are the most dangerous um ones of this type and they as as we heard in the story uh, they do appear in graveyards and tend to be around places where people die so the side the water side um you can also find them in grasslands and forests also kind of regions where there might be uh, gaseous emanations that could catch fire much like we get with the will o the wisp hmm wonder why so they're one of the most dangerous types of fireball yorkai uh but they are beautiful they are the demon fire they are the small blue white fires that hover above the ground tending to appear in groups of 20 to 30 much like we saw in the story like there's a big group of them around hoichi um so there's that um and much like the will of the wisp and lantern men they they are orbs of varying sizes from quite small to up to maybe half a meter um and they usually float around head head height you find them all over japan um and they tend to manifest in some areas sorry not they tend to but in some areas they do tend they they can manifest with voices of victims whose life force they have drained. So they can take on, as we saw here in the story, personalities of the dead. Um, the thing that they feed on is life energy. They feed on the living. This is kind of why they become quite dangerous. And much like the, the, the Will-O-The-Wisps, they don't produce heat. They're, they, they're kind of small balls. They exist for a little bit of time and then they disappear. Um, and if you get too close to a swarm of them, they drain your life force away, as I say. Um, and all that is left on the ground is a dead husk of a human body. This could be related to the fact that in regions where these tend to appear, they are burning um, methane. So there could may not be much oxygen in the air, and so the person dies through suffocation. Um, and much like the will the wisps during the night, the onibi can be mistaken for lanterns, um, chasing phantom lights. So yes, they are they are effectively the Japanese uh, will the wisps. Um, I think that's it for those. Uh, next we have Kodama, and so this is not this is not uh, 
the Kaldama that you'll see where you paint the eyeballs on it at the new year to wish in the new year and make promises and things like that. It's a tree spirit. They tend to be found in untouched forests and very, very, very old trees. So it's like proper old nature, proper undisturbed nature. Um, they are not very malevolent. Um, they don't tend to attack people. They don't need human essence to live. Um, they are connected to the tree in which they're found. So their life force is attached to the tree. So don't go cutting down a tree with when you see a light connected to it because it probably has a Kodama in it. So it's kind of like the soul of a tree. And they wander outside the host uh, around the area tending to the tending to nature and the balance of nature. So they're not because of this and because of the connection to old forests and old trees and um, deep nature, humans don't tend to see them. They don't tend to interact with them. So you're very unlikely to go and find one unless you really want to go kind of hiking in the deep woods and become one with nature. Um, they mostly exist as faint orbs of light in the distance. So you might walk through and you might catch one in the distance. But sometimes you might see them as a tiny, funny-shaped little humanoid figure. Um... If the tree dies, then they will die. If they die, then the trees die. They are inherently bound to each other. They are, to some extent, revered as gods. Um, so in Shinto, there are gods of everything. Um, Kodama are gods of the trees and protectors of the forests. Um, a bit like Hindu, which has like 30,000 gods. Um, Shinto has... 30 million gods everything is a everything is a god everything has a god um, so if you've ever been to um, Japan and you've been to forests and you see trees that are tied up with a with a white rope with with paper prayers on them and that kind of lightning folded paper those trees are sacred um, they are thought to be inhabited by Kodama and the rope is known as a Shiminawa um, you'll, you'll see them quite a lot if you go into villages and outside of the main big cities in Japan even in some of the big cities um, and you've probably seen them in, in videos and stuff so if you go south of Tokyo well even in Tokyo if you go to Hachioji um, and the temple there that I've forgotten the name of You'll see them there, but you'll also see them in Kamakura, which is the old old capital of, of Japan, which is just south of Tokyo. But yeah, so that's them. Um, cutting down ancient trees is a grave sin because Kodama live there and it could bring a powerful curse upon you, causing you and your community maybe to fall to ruin. So there's that. Uh, the next one, so going from trees... We have Hitodama. So we've gone from Kodama to Hitodama. Hito in Japanese means person. So this is a human soul. Um, and these are pretty much the same uh, as Kodama, but they're human and they are found in graveyards or near the recently dead. And they, they sometimes look like human souls um, or they can be 
the the blue white orbs that you see floating around in um, Will of the Wisp and Onibi kind of things. I think they have a tail this lot as well. So they're they're a little bit they're a little bit slightly different. So there's the ball and they have a floaty tail. And they're found around graveyards, funeral parlors, or dead people. But the recent dead, not old dead as well. So it's kind of like the whole whole lot of dead people. And they're kind of seen as the spirit leaving the body. So they're generally seen either just before or just after the moment of death as the soul leaves the body and goes into whatever realm it is that the, the, the family believe in. They can appear they can appear very, very, very rarely if a person loses consciousness floating outside the body. So kind of what we would express as an out-of-body experience. Um, but they are they are harmless. They are the souls of, of the dead who are passing to the beyond realms. So, yeah, that, that's Hitodama. And the last one, uh, the Kitsunebi. Now, this is related to the Kitsune. And we've had an episode, I, I've talked about the Kitsune before, I think. I must have talked about the Ninetale Fox before. I can't. I forget. I know I talked about Kappa at one point. Um, and I've read Lufkardio Herm again at other points. But I cannot remember. I'm sure I've mentioned Kitsune. The Ninetailed Magic Fox. Uh, shape-shifting Fox. Anyway. So, the Kitsunebi is a mysterious illusory fire that appears in the sky, uh, which is caused by the Kitsune. So, if, if you meet a Kitsune and you see a strange light in the sky, it's likely caused by, by these creatures, uh, caused by their magic. And this is known as the Fox's Fire, or Fox Fire. Um, so, that's that. Um, so, that's the... F- four main types of Hinantama that you can find in Japan. Um, And they did appear in this story. So Oni is a demon. Japanese demons and Asian demons are not the same as Western demons. They're not all malevolently evil in the way that we would portray them in, in Western society. But they still have kind of, they still want to take the soul to some extent. Um, I might do an episode where I look at more demon, Japanese demons and compare them to Western demons and even the idea of the devil. So Japan has two names for demon, devil. So we've got the Oni, which is your big ogre type demon. It's quite common. And then there's the Akuma, which is a devil and his name is... Throughout history, the name has slowly transitioned to be devil in Christianity in Japan. But I'll not get into that too deeply. Um, the name is quite often seen in anime and in video game, Japanese video games and RPGs as the name of a big bad Akuma. Um, but yeah, it means devil, um, but kind of not in the same way that devil is devil in English. Or things. Anyway, enough of that. Enough of me waffling on about random stuff. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Wonderful, wonderful, weird, kind of dark and sad tale of Hoichi. Um, where he survives, but he loses his ears.
let me know if you enjoyed it. Uh, you can. Uh, what else can we talk about? Oh yes, uh, I'm still. I have started doing every Monday night live readings on my Twitch. Link is in the description. Videos are also then uploaded to the YouTubes. Um, I am currently reading Paradise Lost. I've read the first three books of Paradise Lost. There are ten of them, and they each take about an hour to read. So expect a ten-hour episode. Um, no, I'm only lying. I'm not going to upload a ten-hour episode anyway, anywhere. Um, but yeah, so they're on there. Book three, there was a bit of a glitch about 20 minutes in when my internet cut out. Um, so I'm not sure I got all of the reading and all of it properly done. So there's a little bit where it's just slightly missed. Yeah, so that's that's also live as well. Uh, you can see me cock everything up and all the mistakes that I make. <laughs> um, I'm leaving some in here. Like I'm leaving in my uh, my fuck up on Japanese. So, but some there are some things that I'm going to be cut. <laughs> so that's it for this evening or for this episode. You can obviously find uh, all my social medias and things in the show notes. I'm attempting to do social media, but I'm being really shit at it as always uh, so you can find me there um, you can find my email address where you can send me ideas and things to talk about if not I hope you enjoyed the tale and all that is left for me to say is good night my friends <laughs> <laughs>